Hallelujah. Wow, you guys look absolutely amazing this morning. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for coming out, being a part of what God's doing here at Christian Embassy. We had an amazing first service. I'm still floating in, a, in another realm. I'm trying to get my feet on the ground. Wow, the Lord just moved so mightily in our first service, and we're just looking for Him to do the same here right now. Praise the Lord. Because, you know, God is good. I mean, that's right. He is just good. I want you to expect His favor, expect His blessings, expect the anointing of God in a mighty, mighty way. I heard this story, and it fits uh, where I'm going this morning. Uh, this uh, lady, she unfortunately, her husband, Fred, he passed away, and she was left widowed, and she was so lonely because Fred was a talker. He was one of those husbands that didn't just listen, but he was a talker, and she missed having someone to talk to. Her friends were saying, ah, oh, you ought to get married again. She said, no, it's too soon. I don't even think about that. And then said, you need to get a pet then. And said, well, uh, what do you think I should get? Some said a dog, some said a cat. Some said, you ought to get a parrot. You like someone to talk to? Get you a parrot. So she goes down to the pet store and she tells the pet store owner, you know, I'm looking to get a parrot. I'm lonely. I need something to talk to and they'll talk to me back. And he said, yeah, I got this young parrot just came in. Uh, surely uh, I'll sell him to you. So he sold her the parrot and she takes the parrot home. And the next day she goes to, back to the store and she says, something's wrong. I said, what's wrong? I said, this parrot, he won't talk. Said he won't talk? Said no, he won't talk. So well maybe you need to buy him a ladder because parrots like the exercise, climbing up and down ladders. Maybe that'll help him uh, uh, want to talk. So she buys a ladder and she goes and puts it in his cage and, and uh, you gets it all set up for him and he goes up and down the ladder. She goes to the store the next day and she says, there's a problem. He says, what is it? Said the parrot still won't talk. I gave him the ladder. He goes up and down the ladder, but he won't talk. Oh, well, then get him a swing. Oh, parrots like to swing, you know. So she buys a swing and she goes and installs it in the cage. And he sits there and swings on the swing and goes up and down the ladder. She goes to the store the next day. There's a problem. What's the problem? The parrot won't talk. He'll swing and he'll climb up and down the ladder, but he won't talk. Oh, I know what it is. They like mirrors. Buy a mirror and that'll help. So she buys a mirror. She goes and installs it in the cage. And the parrot sits there swinging on the swing, looking in the mirror, going up and down the ladder, sitting on the swing, swinging, just the swinging, looking in the mirror. She goes to the store the next day. She said, there's a problem. He said, what's the problem? She said, he died. The parrot died. He died. Yes, he's dead. Well, did he ever say anything before he died? Yes. He said, don't they sell food down there? We don't want to live our lives with our swings and our ladders and our mirrors and starve to death. So we're going to eat some word this morning. Amen. And you can go home and build your ladders and gain your stuff and fill your cage up with whatever you want. But let's make sure we got some food. 
Father God, we pray that by the power of your Spirit, Lord God, who is present here even now, the author of this Holy Bible, that you, Holy Spirit, will speak to us, teach us, lead us into all truth. Remove any veil from our eyes, any scales from our eyes, so that we can see, Lord God, in clarity of your truth and your truth that sets us free. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move and minister, heal and deliver, set people free, God, even while we're preaching. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you would raise people up from, uh, from infirmity. You would raise them up from weakness. You would raise them up out of bondage, even at the preaching of your word. Lord God, Holy Ghost, fall upon us afresh and anew. As Peter preached, you, Holy Spirit, fell on those in Cornelius' house, Lord God. As they would go and minister, you would fall on the people and move mightily and do miracles. Lord, we pray for that here this morning. As we preach your word faithfully that you would fall upon us with anointing and a freshness and a fire and a power and a passion, Lord God, like we've not experienced in a long time, we pray. And God, we pray that you would help us stay true to your word, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking this morning at the power of decree. The power of decree. If you see something wrong, you need to say something right. We need to learn what to say. We need to learn the power that is in our words as we learn how to decree a thing and bring that which is in heaven to earth. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that should be our daily prayer, He said. We should be praying to usher in heaven on earth. And one way we can do that is through the power of decree. We're going to be picking up in a story in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 24, about a terrible time in the life of some of Israel's history. And this is picking up at verse 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, who was a king of Syria, gathered all of his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, Well, if the Lord does not help you, where can, I find, where can you find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What's troubling you? And she answered, Well, this woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat, your, my, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Now you give your son that we may eat him. But she hid her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked and then underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God, do so to me, and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do, do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him, and then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this even happen or could this be? And he said, or Elisha said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. I want to talk to you this morning and encourage you to see from the Word of God how God has set things up in our, our lives even today and how we have there is uh, heaven's power in a decree so that you'll be o- w- uh, willing to open your mouth and to say something to put a stop to what the enemy is doing. Now, I know that the enemy is working against you. I know that there are some mountains that he's placed before you, but Jesus says we've got to learn to speak to our mountain. Jesus said we must uh, say something to that tree that is rooted in your life, that it be plucked up and it be removed. Because there is power in a decree and we need to learn to say something. That we have to take the word of God and we have to decree it. And you're not going to do that in faith unless you believe what the word teaches of its great power. If you study the life of Jesus, you will see that he so simply yet powerfully decreed a thing like your sins are forgiven you. Or stretch forth your hand and be healed. A hand that had been withered from its uh, infancy, a hand that had never been able to be whole. There was a decree of heaven on earth and Jesus says, stretch that hand and there came creative power of heaven that recreated and gave him a hand that was whole. When Jesus said to the paralytic, take up your mat and walk. For too long that mat has been your slave and you've been its servant. It's now time that it serve you and you master over it. Take it up and carry it home. Even when he raised the dead, they, he said, move the stone back. And he decreed a thing and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And resurrection power from heaven was manifested here on earth through a dead man's body, four days dead, to come back to life and to live. See, kings and priests make decrees. And Jesus is the king of kings. And the Bible tells us that he is our high priest better than any high priest the Bible has ever made record of. But the thing that we must not miss, please hear what I say to you now, is that you and I are also kings and priests. And a king and a priest has the responsibility and the authority to decree a thing. And being that you are kings and being that you are priests, you have the authority as well as the responsibility to decree a thing and let heaven invade the earth. In Revelation 1 and 6, the Bible says through the mouth of Jesus that he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him glory and dominion forevermore. Jesus has made you kings and made you priests. So we cannot sit back and say, oh, if a priest would rise up and decree it, I might get set free. Or if a king would rise up and decree it, I might get healed. I'm here to tell you, you're that king and you're that priest and you are to rise up in faith and decree it. We read in 1 Peter 2 and 9 that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
Yes, you are royalty. You are kings and you are also priests. It is a priesthood that we may what? Proclaim. We may proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I appeal to you as sons and daughters of God, as kings and priests unto God, for goodness sakes, the enemy is trying to take over your life. The enemy is trying to destroy you. Don't let him have another second of your life. Don't let him have another second of your day. Don't let him call the shots so that he can do whatever he wants to do. It's time that we know who we are and whose we are and what we are to do. We are to put up resistance. I'm calling you today to put up a fight against the enemy, to put up a fight, to put a stop to it, to put him out of your house, to put him out of your mind, to put him out of your body, to put him out of your finances. It's time to fight back. I say it's time to fight back. Somebody has got to say something. God has given you authority and God has given you power over the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy, you have authority to cast him out. You have authority to say a thing and that thing be accomplished. And on the other hand, God has been so good to us. The devil's been bad, but God is so good. So I would say, for goodness sake, say something about his goodness. Say something about his mercy. Say something about his kindness. Say something about his power. Let this earth be filled with the praises of men and women of God, sons and daughters of God, kings and priests of God, uh, who decree in this nation, in the nations of the world, uh, and in our life, that our God is good, that our God is all-powerful, that our God is merciful, that our God is gracious, that our God is forgiving. Come on now. If you have breath in your body, the Bible says you ought to say something. Yes, you can take the stringed instruments. He said, and praise me. He said, you can take uh, the harp and the lyre. You can take the trumpet. You can take these instruments and praise me. But he says, don't you leave it up just to the instruments. If there's breath in your body, let everything that hath breath praise Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. If you believe God is a good God, you ought to say something. The world needs to hear about how good He is. The world needs to hear about how powerful He is. The, Lord, the world needs to hear about how forgiving He is. I'm telling you, it took a teenage boy who heard a covenant representative of hell, Goliath, saying something. See, the devil copies what the Lord gives us. The devil copies it. So there's a covenant representative decreeing a demonic thing, decreeing bondage, decreeing fear, decreeing defeat, decreeing 40 days. He's going on and on decreeing this thing that you Israelites are going to come in as slaves. You Israelites are going to lose your homes. You Israelites are going to lose your freedom. You Israelites, we're going we're to treat you. Our dogs will be treated better than you for 40 days. But a little teenage boy delivering his brother's lunch, and he comes in and he hears it, and he says, "Wait a minute, somebody! Why somebody saying something? If they need a covenant representative, and what they would do in those days, instead of everybody fight, each side would send a covenant representative, and the covenant representative would represent that was the best of the best they had. And if the covenant representative won, then all of you won, and nobody else had to fight. And if the covenant representative lost, then all of you lost, and you were in." Bondage and in slavery. Well, no covenant representative would stand up. 
It sounds like what I see in society today where it's like no covenant representative of heaven will stand up for the holiness of God, for the righteousness of God. But David says, I, if nobody else will say something, I'll say something, I'll go. And he gets there and he says, I'm not coming at you. coming at me with a, that, that spear and you're coming at me with that sword and your shield, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm coming at you with a word. I'm coming. You're going down. He decreed a thing and then that opened heaven and heaven's wind came behind a little rock and it became a ballistic missile that went into the forehead of this giant and that covenant representative went down. I'm here to tell you when our covenant representative stepped out of heaven and came onto this earth he says I'm not only bringing the word I am the word I am the word the word is coming as a covenant representative and now he says all of you who will take my word believe my word speak my word decree my word where it is darkness you can decree light and light will come where there is a, a disease you can decree healing and healing will come where there is bondage you can decree freedom and freedom will come my words are double edge sword. It, it'll cut going and coming. It'll free you up going and coming. But somebody somebody's got to be a covenant representative in covenant with God who will believe God, who will stand up against the forces of hell. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against these spiritual entities, these spiritual powers, this wickedness, these uh, 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 entities of, of heavenly places that are coming against us. But let me tell you why. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, but he who is in us has got to come out of us. You got to stand up and decree a thing. Our story is Samaria is going through this famine, and Samaria has uh, this king Ben Hadad from Syria that is coming in to besiege them. If you'll notice in the top right hand of the screen, there's Syria in that kingdom, and they're not happy over there with their territory. But they got to come in, and if you'll notice, here in this blue section, you have the kingdom of Israel, and then you have the kingdom of Judah. When the kingdom, when the tribes, I mean the kingdom split, you had the northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Jerusalem is the capital of the kingdom of Judah, and Samaria is the capital of the kingdom of Israel. And here, Ben-Hadad from Syria is coming in trying to besiege, cut off the head. Let me tell you what, the enemy... If it really and truly fights with more genius than the, than the church does. And then you say, where did you get your battle plan from? Where did you get your strategy? And the enemy says, I can't create anything on my own. I just copy. I just copy. So the enemy takes the very uh, strategic plan God gives us and he uses it against us. And he comes in like a constrictor around the head. And he says, if I can take the head, I can get the rest of it. If I can get between your ears and get you defeated between your ears, then I've got your health. I can take you out. I've got your wealth. I can take you out. I can destroy your family. I can take you out. I can destroy you, uh, your freedom, and I can take you out. If I can just get the head cut off. And the besieging is to surround it and constrict in such a way to cut off the supplies so that you slowly, over this long period of time, you just you, you give up as you give out. So let me tell you what, I say it's time that we Christians realize, wait a minute, 
that we are not going to give in to the tactics of the enemy and we're going to come together. We're not going to be divided. We're going to come together. We're going to leverage our faith. We're going to use our anointing and we're going to open our mouths and we're going to enter the conflict against the forces of darkness and we're going to say something because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, I do understand that we face challenges to this because we live in such a politically charged culture that every time you try to say something, people try to define you and pigeonhole you and categorize you in, in such a way as to uh, polarize you so that they don't have to listen to what you're saying. I understand that. I do. And what people many times don't realize is that they are being influenced by these spiritual wicked powers in high places. They don't even see it. They don't realize that they're pawns in the hands of the enemy. They don't realize that they are being moved around on the chessboard of life. They don't realize that their talents and their energies are being used for an evil plot. They don't see it. Now let me tell you this, that the tactic of the enemy... This is a tactic of his where he says to say something against an agenda is to hate the person. Now let me tell you right up front, this is manipulation from the forces of hell to keep you silent. Because let me remind you, everybody's got an agenda. Every, look to your left, look to your right. Everybody's got an agenda. The Republican Party has an agenda. The Democratic Party has an agenda. The Libertarian Party has an agenda. The Independents have an agenda. The Green Party has an agenda. The Tea Party has an agenda. The Birthday Party has an agenda. The Shower Party has an agenda. The Socialists have an agenda. Uh, fascism has an agenda. Communism has an agenda. They all have agendas. They all do. And sometime when you come to say something, you're going to smack somebody's agenda. But that doesn't mean just because you disagree with their agenda doesn't mean you hate them. Hate them. Just because you disagree with their agenda doesn't mean you hate Republicans or you hate Democrats or you hate Libertarians or you hate Independents. Now don't get nervous on me. Oh my, my. Some of you are just saying, oh my, where is he going with this? <laughs> is it possible to disagree with the agenda to say something about an agenda that violates the agenda of heaven without hating the person. Yes, it is. Jesus did not call us to hate people. He called us to love people. Amen? But people you love can be controlled or influenced by evil that is trying to harm them, who has an agenda to be destructive to them and their family. And if we really love them, we must say something. Any parent knows what I'm talking about. Anyone who has responsibility over people's life and their destiny know what I'm talking about. And I believe our society is under siege by violent and fierce spirits, just like in the day coming against Samaria. And these, these spirits are not come to be passive. Let me tell you, they come to besiege our generation. And they are producing a famine of morality. You see it all around. They're besieging our generation and they're producing a famine of goodness and a famine of prosperity and a famine of health. 
There are more medical communities now per capita for people than ever before. There are more people dealing with sickness and on medication than ever before. It is an epidemic. Let me tell you what. That, I, there's, I'm not saying that you being sick or dealing with a sickness is a bad thing, but I'm telling you that sickness is a bad thing. It didn't come to help you. It didn't come to give you wealth. It didn't come to give you health. It didn't come to give you promotion. It is trying to destroy your body. And you don't like it. You don't like it. There's a famine of health. There's a famine of brotherhood. And we're living in perilous times while the temptation for the church folks is just to talk about themselves and play religious games. Somebody's got to say something. Somebody's got to open their mouth and say the devil is a liar. The devil, you're not going to take this generation 2019 was not given to those that were here in the 1920s. It was given to us. They said what they said in their day. It's time for us to say what God wants said in our day. Hallelujah. See, the temptation, if we're not careful in this day, is just to give folks cheap motivational talks and telling them how to be happy on Tuesday and how to be happy on Thursday and telling them how to have a little success in life and maybe how to get a new car or to make a new friend. Somebody needs to say something. I'm telling you, if we spend all of our time just giving pep talks, then we are ignoring the root to all the problems that is coming against us. Church, we are under siege. The day and age we live in is under siege. We have a real enemy. He has a real strategy. He is engaged in the offensive. And the enemy has surrounded us and causing a famine in the land. Somebody has to say something to Ben. Hey, Dad and said, it's time for you to get out of our Samaria and get back to your Syria. Get back to the hell you came from. Somebody's got to say something. Here's Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, represents the devil, and he's trying to starve to death the people of God. I'm telling you, he, he, he has gotten them to the place where they're having to pay $80 plus for a donkey's head to try and eat some of the meat off of the bone of a donkey's head. They're paying $5 to $8 for half a scoop of dove's dung to try and eat it and survive. It's so bad that the Bible says that there's a king who heard one of the mothers complaining because she was duped and tricked into giving up her son to be the meal for the day and promised that the other mother would give up her son to be the meal for tomorrow. They're eating their own children. Somebody has got to deal with this Ben-Hadad. Somebody's got to deal with this Syria because they've taken the high ground. They're trying to snuff off the very life. Somebody's got to rise up and say, Satan, you, you've held us bondage long enough. Satan, you've robbed from us long enough. And Elisha made a decree. And when he made a decree, the Bible says that these four lepers who were outside the city gate because of their leprosy, they were sitting there waiting to die. They are sandwiched between the army of Syria who has surrounded Samaria and Ben-Hadad and his soldiers and all that they had, and they are sandwiched between the enemy and they're sandwiched between the city because they can't go in the city because of their leprosy. They're starving to death. And when the decree came from Elisha, decreeing that heaven would invade the earth and bring about a change, something changed in these four weak men 
probably the weakest of all because not only were they starving like everybody in the city, but now they didn't have their shelter like everybody in the city. They're outside the city and they've got leprosy. Their limbs are falling off. Their flesh is decaying. There is, there is uh, abscess and there is infection. And you know how infection brings fever and weakness. But let me tell you what. Don't you ever sit back and say the devil is too big. When you decree a thing, you have the access to the power of God. And God says, I'll take the weak things and I'll use the weak things to show forth my strength hallelujah that I'll get all the glory so these four lepers said wait a minute should we just sit here until we die if we go in the city they're not going to accept us and they're dying anyway because they're starving to death and if we go to the army they may kill us we're dying anyway but maybe they'll cast us some bread to keep us at a distance and we can get some food we're not going to sit here till we die so then they start moving towards the enemy's camp at twilight and the Bible says that Ben-Hadad and his soldiers begin to hear the rumble and begin to hear the noise and begin to hear the sound as of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of chariots and foot soldiers coming against them. And fear came in and they said, my, somehow another Samaria has hired Egypt and other nations to bring their soldiers in to destroy us. And they fled. And the Bible says they ran and as they ran, they're dropping food, they're dropping gold, they're dropping silver, they're dropping their weapons, they're dropping their very clothes as they're running away so fast. And these four lepers go in and here's all the food and gold and silver and weapons and clothes. They take care of themselves, but then they said, you know what? There's enough here for the whole city. So they go tell the city and the city says, you know what? This is a trap. They're hiding. We go out and they're going to ambush us. And they said, well, we only got five horses left out of the That'd be like uh, Hampton Roads having only five cars left. Can you imagine how bad it must, must be had gotten? We only got five cars left. We had to eat the tires off of our cars. You know, they'd eaten their horses. Okay. And uh, so send those five men out and let's see if this is an ambush. And they come back and they say, no, king, this isn't an ambush. There's clothes going on into the hillside. They're dropping their shoes. They're dropping their swords. They're, anything would hold them back. They're just leaving it behind. These dudes are gone. They are gone. I'm telling you, there was a word that came from God and it changed everything. I'm telling you, the same is true in your life. There must be a word from God that decree will bring the power of heaven to invade the earth. Somebody needs an invasion. Somebody needs to be set free. Somebody needs a healing. Somebody needs, needs a breakthrough. And I'm telling you, the power of heaven is waiting on the decree of you, a royal lip, or you, a priesthood, uh, to say it and believe it and see it come to manifest. Hallelujah. I pray God would give us some preachers who don't, are not afraid of people's agendas. God, please give us somebody who cares enough for us that they'll preach it to us even if it makes us mad. God, help us have some godly men and godly women who are willing to shake something up for the glory of God to take the fight to where the enemy is. In Job 22 and 28, he says, You will decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. When the light comes, the darkness goes. But you first got to decree you first got to decree a thing and it will be established for you. I say to somebody right now, you've got to decree a thing. I'm speaking right to you. You've got to decree a thing and it will be established for you. Then the light of God is going to come into your way. 
See, this famine, if it's left unchallenged, it will get so bad that they were actually eating their children. You, I know that just sounds, ugh, but listen here. We're under siege too. We're destroying our next generation. Don't, don't, don't just say, wow, that happened there. We're killing off our next generation. If we're not killing them off by saying, well, I can't afford to have this child or this child will be a financial or social inconvenience and, and we're getting rid of them through abortion. If we're not doing that, we're killing them on the other end where we're going to let them be born into so much debt that they're born into slavery. Somebody needs to say something. Every week you can read about it and you can hear about teachers being promiscuous with students and we get appalled and act like, where did that come from? And we get hear politicians getting caught up in a scandal and we're like, where did that come from? And we hear about judges and we hear about uh, you know, police officers doing things that are opposite of how they were trained and we're like, where did that come from? And we hear about a teenager going to a convenience store and rob and kill the owner who spilled, spent his life building up that store and we act like, where did that come from? They came from our houses. They came from our cities. They came from our neighborhoods. They came from our churches. Do you hear what I'm saying? They're raised up without any direction and raised up without any correction and anybody to teach them morality. They just grew up and we put a badge on them or they grew up and we put a robe on them or we grew up and we gave them a teacher certificate or an ordination. They just grew up and we, and we wonder where in the world they came from. It is impossible to teach morality when you teach there is no God. It's impossible. You cannot teach morality in a vacuum. You cannot take God out of the equation and then tell me to act right because I'll challenge you what is right. Who said? Who said? We come up with these bizarre arguments like, well, someone should be able to fall in love and marry any gender. Let me tell you, once you take God out of the equation, why can't you marry three people or 30 people? Why can't you marry two men and three women? Why can't you marry children? Why can't you marry an animal? Why can't you marry an alien? Come on now. If your argument is you were born that way, we're all born broken. We're all born separated from God. We're all born in sin. But you've got to be careful with that argument. Because if that argument goes like this, if you were born that way, then you're not responsible for your actions. So the person who comes along and says, well, I was born, uh, born attracted to children. Let me tell you what, you, what what's going to be your argument? You don't hear me. We just sit around and we say nothing. Because we are so afraid that we will have somebody think that we don't love them. Please hear me. Please hear me. If you love me, help me. If you love me, if you love me, don't judge me, but help me get delivered. If you love me, don't condemn me, but show me a better way. If you love me, don't avoid me. Come on now. Come to my rescue and say something. I need help. Amen. Because I'm telling you, you're sitting in a place today. I know. I've been here since day one. You're sitting in a place today that loves everybody. Young and old and every one of us in between. Red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in our sight. I know it. I've been here since day one. That's the spirit I allow in this house. As the head of this house, that's how this house will always be. That we are all God's children. 
that we are, no one is lifted up, even if they're a pastor or if they come in here as, as whatever. None of us is lifted up over anyone else. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need each other. I need you. And you need me. Somebody's got to say something. Because we're devouring our next generation. And I'm here to wake you up that the Dow Jones recovering is not going to fix it. A bailout is not going to fix it. Another stimulus package won't fix it. Another factory moving back to America is not going to fix it. Somebody needs to tell this generation that our famine is because there's a fierce evil spirit trying to overthrow you. And it won't be all right until somebody stands up against it. There is a Goliath in the land and there needs to be a David spirit that will rise up and say something. Until someone takes the authority to rise up and speak God's word over the situation and decree it. Now remember, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're coming against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I'm not saying you can't go out in public and say something. I'm not saying that. You can do that and do it in love and do it in a way that, that is uh, going to bring glory to God. But let me tell you what. You're out there trying to confront someone without first dealing with the powers that are behind everything is not going to get you very far, I can tell you that. We've got our gloves on in a boxing match of flesh and blood when really and truly God says, if you don't come and cut off the spirit behind it, then you're just really going to shadow box yourself uh, to, to exhaustion. 2 Kings 7 and 1, Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. He said it. When he said that, the word of the Lord, that deliverance is coming, it set in the spirit realm the freedom of God's power moving, ushering in heaven. So now, four lepers dragging their limbs. I don't know what had, that limbs they had left. They're dragging their limbs. They're just hungry. They said, we're going to die anyway. Well, at least let's, let's try to get some bread. Kind of like that parrot. Do they sell any food there, you know? I need something to eat. And God used that weak situation to turn the whole thing around. Elisha decreed a thing and it was established. And the siege was broken. And the famine was over. And remember that king's right-hand man who said, even if heaven's windows were open, that couldn't happen. And Elisha said, because you don't believe, you're going to see it but you won't eat it. When they're selling a pound of flour for a dollar and two pounds of barley for two dollars or dollar, from today, spending $80 for a donkey's bone, donkey's head bone, you know, and, and, and $5 for dove's dung, okay? Tomorrow, there's going to be such a supply that you can get all you want. And because you don't believe it, you'll see it, but you won't taste it. Don't be in that man's shoes. God gave us that character because the temptation, if we're not careful, is we'll take those sandals. The next day came and the king told him to open the gate. And when the five men came back and said, it's not a trick. There's more food, more gold, more silver, more weapon. There's more stuff there than we could. We could the whole city can, can have it. The people got so excited that when this man opened the gate, they trampled him underfoot and he was killed. He saw it change, but he didn't get to taste it. You better cast doubt out of your heart right now. Cast doubt out of your mind right now. 
and say, wait a minute, I was created by God to be a, a royal priesthood. I am placed here to decree what is in heaven comes to this earth. Jesus taught me to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am the conduit. I am the connector. I am the ambassador. I am the one that God needs to use to bring forth heaven on earth. See, when you don't have strong words coming into your spirit, it's easy for you to be overthrown by a fierce spirit. And that's why I'm preaching like I am today. I want to stir somebody. I want to shake somebody. I want to wake somebody. Because let me tell you what, we have our young, our young kids, this generation, and there's these kids and these teenagers and these young adults and going into college who are going into classrooms and, and they're going into college and they feel overwhelmed, besieged, and surrounded. They're trying to get good grades, but they're made to feel less than because they don't believe they came from a monkey. They told that you cannot believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And they're ridiculed by mixed up professors who kick up, just get their kicks out of messing with little kids' minds. But I got some news for you. I don't feel intimidated and I don't feel backed up by anybody who is so bizarre in their thinking who try to convince me I come from evolution. My Bible tells me that God created man in His image and in the likeness thereof, and He breathed His breath into us, and we became living beings, living souls. Hallelujah. And I know that when you take the divinity out of life, it's easy to march the streets uh, for the right to kill your own children. When you take divinity out of life, it's easy for you to devalue life because you don't see that God is a part of life. But let me tell you what, you got to be careful because there's another generation coming up behind you uh, and they will shoot uh, each other over a pair of tennis shoes. And you're like, where did that come from? And let me tell you what, when you get old, if you're not careful, if you don't say something, if you don't come against this spirit, when you become financially a burden, when you become socially inconvenient, they'll be snuffing you out as well and saying, come on, it's time for you to go. Your inheritance is mine. I'm not going to let the medical community eat up your funds. No. And now you're out of here. And you're going to be like, how could you do this? Because you didn't say anything. You let everybody believe that there was no divinity in life, that God was not real. And you let everybody believe that you could do with life, you could kill life, you could expose of life anytime you wanted it really didn't matter let me tell you what it all comes from this fierce spirit that says life does not come from God therefore you have authority over it I'm here to say something today life did come from God it does come from God therefore life is a divine thing and you don't get to just do with it whatever you want to do with it it's time somebody starts saying something if we'll start saying something it'll change the hearts of people the Bible says that during this famine, Elisha is sitting in his house, and Elisha represents the prophetic word of God. And God first related to man through a voice. That's so important to God. See, the first power of words was not communication. The first power of words was creation, if you remember the story. When God said, let there be light, there was no one to be him to be talking to. Adam and Eve was not there yet, so he was not talking to communicate. He was talking to create. Hallelujah. And Hebrews says that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Do you hear me there? John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him and without Him. And nothing, not anything, was made that was made. All of it came from Him. 
See, God chose to create through the vehicle of words. In other words, God said something. There was chaos. There was darkness that filled the deep, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit was hovering over it, so the power of God, the presence of God was there. But nothing happened until God said something. And the Holy Ghost is here in the 21st century. The Holy Ghost is here. But He's not. He's hovering over the chaos and the darkness. But now we who are created in the image of God have got to speak into the darkness and bring light and bring life and bring hope. Somebody's got to say something. When God wanted something, He said something. We've got to learn the power of saying something too. See, saying something builds the bricks into the Spirit and establishes a framework in the minds of people so that there's a foundation for the Word of God to stand up tall on. Most of us are the product of the words that have been spoken over us. Why is it that you understand when you take a child and you call them stupid all their life that you frame their world because your words have framed them and they grow up believing that they're stupid? We believe that side of it. Why can't we believe the other side when it comes to the words that come from God, that the words of God have power, and when we begin to speak the Word of God and say it strong enough and say it long enough and say it loud enough that with anointing and with passion that the minds of people will change. Come on. See, we, we can't legislate morality. We can't expect people to do the right thing when the right thing is not in them. But if you begin to see the Spirit of God move on the minds of people, it will begin to change their hearts and their nature will change and their activities that, begin to prove, that was producing the famine begin to change and there becomes the excess of heaven in their life. Elisha was the Word of God in the house. Today we must not settle for anything less. You must say the Word of God in your house. You must be the prophet. You must be the priest. You must be the king in your house. You hear me? We need the word of God to be spoken in your house. We need the word of God to be spoken in this house. Amen? See, we've got to be careful not to fall prey of the popular hip church mindset. You know the church that is all about entertaining Christians. Where every Sunday it's all about putting on some gospel show for bored Christians who had nothing better else to do over the weekend. No! I say no! There's power in having the Word in the house. And the power of the Word is not just for communication. It's also for creation. And some of you need to release the creative power of God to recreate for you the life that God has called you to. Hallelujah. It's creative. I believe that while I preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that it creates something that was not once there. And I'm telling you, I believe as the Word of God goes forth in your life, and as you declare the Word of God, it opens up a space in the Spirit, and it opens up a door to give you access to the things of heaven that God wants to get here on this earth. It's a real thing. It causes you to move into another place. It changes things when you say something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our authority is in what we say. The centurion came to Jesus in Matthew 8 and he says, I understand this. 
And Jesus said, your understanding, look, you got more faith than all of Israel. He says, I understand it. You don't even have to come to my house. My servant's sick. All you got to do is say the word. I understand the authority. Just say the word. And Jesus gave us that story so that we could understand the authority that we have. That we don't have to run and manipulate and run and prop up. That there's power in our words and we can send our word. Your child may not even be living at home, but you can send your word every day into the community that that child is living their life. And you can see the manifest of heaven on earth in their life. Just say something. Elisha said, there's a messenger on the way. And I, I know he's coming to take my head off. Isn't it amazing that society don't want nothing to do with the church? They want to do their own selfish, flesh-centered thing until they get in trouble. And then when they're in trouble, they want to blame the church. They want to blame the Christians. Same thing. The king's blaming Elisha, blaming God. So he sent his servant there to take his head off. But Elisha was informed. When you say something... Let me tell you what, God says, if you're man enough and woman enough to stand up and say something, not only are your words created, but they're also for communication. You're going to hear from me. You're going to have a clear hearing from me. You're going to know what to say. So here he hears from God that this person coming is going to kill him. So Elisha said, when he gets here, shut the door. See, every message doesn't need to be listened to. You've got to learn when to say shut the door or hand in your face. I don't receive that. I don't receive that. You can believe that. You can say that if you want, but I don't receive that. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm not going to receive that. You better be careful listening to CNN and NBC and Fox and Wall Street and all the, all the stuff. You've got to be careful letting them frame your world. Remember, there's an agenda behind all of it. You need to be up in a house where the message of God's Word is being declared and you're being reminded over and over and over the authority that you have that God has given you. Hallelujah. And if a mountain stands in your way, say something. If a sycamore tree stands in your way and it seems rooted down, say, you roots, you don't. You're not intimidating me. you got to be plucked up. you got to say something. And if an evil spirit has an influence over you, you got to say something. For too long we've listened to the world tell us in the church, tone it down. Tone it down. Don't be too aggressive. Don't be too outspoken. Don't be too forward. And while we have toned it down, they be, and we become more passive, and we sealed our lips and cut off our source of power, the world, on the other hand, has ratcheted it up. These fierce spirits come in and, and they've tried to take the whole generation over. With new age and psychics and divination and drugs and and trouble and promiscuity and and flesh living. Let me tell you what. These spirits are fighting and they're aggressive. And here we Christians are just so passive. Come by ya, my Lord. Come by ya. And God says, why do you think I give you all that teaching on the armor of God? Why do you think I said I'm creating and building a church that's kicking in the gates of hell and taking back what the enemy is all about? You, where, where is this come by ya sitting by a campfire? Somebody's got to say something. Something is wrong with us if we sit by and watch a generation besieged by our enemy and we don't open our mouth. Something's wrong with us. God can't be pleased with that. 
If you watch this generation being taken over and you just go about church business as usual, something's wrong. I pray God give us conviction. I pray that God give us fire. I pray that God give us His Spirit and God give us His power and His boldness to say something. It's time you rise up and say, Satan has no place in me. Satan has no power in me. Satan has no unsettled claims in me. It's all been settled by the blood of Jesus. I'm not intimidated. You're not threatening me. You're not coercing me to shut up. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak up. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And the first time you make a de declaration like that, Satan's going to laugh at you. But you've got to keep saying it. Hebrews 4 and 14 tells us, let us hold fast to our confession. Don't you let your confession go. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. You've got to keep on saying it. You've got to keep on saying it. Don't let it depend on your feelings. Don't let it depend on your situation. Don't let it depend on the, the symptoms. Don't let it depend on the circumstance. Don't let it depend on the reports you're receiving. Let me tell you what. Let it depend on the eternal Word of God. What does God's Word say? That's what I say. That's what I decree. That's what I bring from heaven into earth into my situation. Because forever, O oh Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. Forever. Forever. It's settled. Hallelujah. Satan has no place in us, no power over us, no unsettled claims against us. Hallelujah. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Maybe you're in trouble today. Here's a good scripture. Cry out to God. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. What did he do? He sent his word. He sent his word. He sent his word. You and I have the responsibility and the privilege and the authority to decree that Word. To decree the Word. Because the Word is here. And healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Do you hear me? We've got to start saying something. You've got to say, I am redeemed. I am the favorite of God. I've been grafted into the vine. I am a recipient of the blessing of Abraham. I'm blessed coming in. And I'm blessed. You've got to say it. You say, Pastor, you say that every Sunday. You better believe I say it every Sunday. Come on Wednesday and you hear me say it as well. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. Do you hear me? I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm free. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I have the Spirit and the power of God. I don't have the spirit of fear. No. But I've got power, love, and a sound mind. I've got the Spirit of Christ. I've got the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. He dwells in me. He is quickening my mortal body. He is giving life to me. He's giving energy to me. He's giving power to me. He's giving wisdom to me. He's giving direction to me. Hallelujah. I want to be like Peter on the day of Pentecost. He said, i got to say something. When the Holy Ghost comes, he said, i got to say something. But people are in trouble. The people of God are in trouble. They're in darkness. He said, I got to say something. And when the Holy Ghost came, he had the boldness to say something. And a miracle of heaven invaded the earth called the church. And the church continues. And if the church was birthed by somebody saying something, we got to keep on growing. And we got to keep on going. And we got to keep on kicking out the devil. And we got to keep stepping over the opposition. And we got to keep tearing down the walls of opposition and we got to rescue our generation we got to rescue this society we got to rescue the people that we love so much and we got to say something hallelujah hallelujah the power of decree 
would you stand with me if you need a miracle today? If you don't need a miracle, just stay seated. If you don't need to see somebody's life freed up, stay seated. If you don't need uh, anything from God or you know anybody that needs anything from God, just stay seated. The rest of you that want to say, wait a minute, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to step it up. We're not handing out picketing signs for you to carry outside the front door here to your, to, into your neighborhood. I'm not, I'm not handing those out. What I am handing out to you is instruction that every demon spirit and every lying spirit and that, that Ben-Hadad from Syria that has sent his troops in to destroy this generation, that in the spirit realm, we've got to, that's where we've got to take our warfare. We've got to take our warfare. And we say, not over my house, not over my city, not over my neighborhood, no, not over my state, not over my country, not over this world. This world belongs to the Lord. Devil, this ain't yours. Hell belongs to you. It was created for you and your angels. This belongs, this is my inheritance. You're not going to have it. And I am a royal priesthood. Go ahead and tell, I am a royal priesthood. I not only have the authority, but I have the responsibility. And I'm going to stand up against you. And it's not going to be a big fight. It's going to be an easy fight. Because just like Jesus won, I'm going to win. Because he said it is finished. It's already done. He just needs me to exercise my faith. He needs me to stand my ground. He needs my mouth. He needs my voice. He needs a de declaration and a decree coming from me. Hallelujah. This is how God set it up. Jesus said, what I hear my father say is what I say. When I see what I hear him say is what I say. And when I say it, it's done. And the centurion soldier said, I understand that. I understand authority. I understand. And you've got marching orders. And if you'll give those marching orders over my household, even if you're miles away from my household, my household is going to be affected by it. You need to start doing that over your children, over your grandchildren. You need to start doing that over your family and over your friends and over your relatives. But you also need to do that over your city, the city that you live in. You need to do that over the nation that you live in. Come on now, because we have authority and there's no limit to the power of God. God's only with, held back when there are no laborers. The, the wheat fields are white unto harvest, he said. But pray for laborers. Let somebody that'll stand up and bring in the harvest of the kingdom of God. If you see something wrong, say something right. Don't whine about it. Don't cry about it. Don't add to it. Don't say, I wonder where the wrong came from. You know where it came from. Just say something right. Turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it with the Word of God. As you speak God's Word in love, turn it. But you ain't got to love demons now. Don't you go all being nice and kind to demons and Satan, okay? There ain't no friend there. There ain't no friend. He was kicked out, cast down by your God. There is no redemption for him, so don't you go try to befriend him or let him suck you in with his crocodile tears. There ain't no mercy on the devil. You do like David. Not only am I going to knock you down with a rock, but I'm going to cut your head off with your own sword. headless man don't have a voice anymore David silenced the decree of hell that was causing such havoc you can silence the decree of hell that's causing so much sickness and disease and loss and pain in your life and cut it off no mercy power of a decree
Father, we stand in your presence even now, Lord God. In need of miracles from heaven on earth. In need, Lord God, to see a transformation and a turnaround in this generation that we live in. Lord God, it's on a slippery slope and it's going faster and gaining momentum and moving in the opposite direction. And Lord, we thank you for awakening us and, and bringing us to the forefront and showing us our place and showing us our responsibility. So Lord God, I pray each and every person here would hold true to their responsibility and the authority that they have. And Satan, we come against you in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, we resist you. you got to go. Go. As, as Assyrians fled, you, we are told to resist you, and you will flee. So we resist you now in the name of Jesus. <coughs> You're not going to have my health. Go ahead and tell him, devil. You're not going to have my health. You're not going to have my wealth. You're not going to have not one year, not one month, or one day, or one hour, or one minute, or one second of my life. No! you got to go. you got to go. Drop the stuff you've been stealing as you go. Drop it in the name of Jesus. You're not going to take my children. You're not taking my children to hell with you. You're not taking my grandchildren to hell with you. You're not taking my family, my mother, my father, my grandparents to hell with you. You're not taking my friends to hell with you. You're not taking them. I come against you in the name of Jesus. I decree they will live and serve the Lord. I decree they will serve the Lord. I decree it. They will be saved. They will be delivered. Their eyes will be opened. And they'll see the salvation of God. Hallelujah. Maybe there's someone tuning in or someone here this morning and you, you, you're thinking these thoughts right now because the devil don't play fair. He says, you're not saved. You're not a child of God. You're not a royal priesthood. You're not a king or a priest. That's for those that are saved. You're not saved. The good news is you can get saved right now. The good news is right now you can open your heart up to Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. First thing you need to take care of is the sin in your life. We're all sinners. We all were born in sin. And our wages of our sin is death. But there's a gift from God of eternal life. We owe a debt we can't pay. But Jesus came to pay a debt he didn't owe. And he's willing to pay your account in full right now. If you'll just open your heart and invite him in. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Humble yourself before Him. Say, Lord God, do in me what I can't do for myself. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I believe. Just go and tell Him, I believe. Jesus, you are the gift of God. You are the gift of salvation. I believe that you are alive. Come live in me, Lord. And then confess with your mouth His Lordship, which means I surrender to Jesus. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. No one did for me what you've done. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to honor you. And the Bible says you can pray a prayer like that. The Bible says you're saved. The angels rejoice in heaven as your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. 
You're a son or daughter of the Most High God. You're a royal priesthood. You now have authority and responsibility and the privilege to decree. Hallelujah. And if you have given your life to the Lord and you're new in this, uh, let me tell you what, come see me or see Pastor Radika at the Welcome Center or anyone at the Welcome Center and say, I need a Bible. I've given my life to the Lord. We can give you instructions and information about times we get together and we can help disciple you and answer any questions that you have. Just let us know. Let us know so that we can come alongside and help you grow in the things of the Lord. Hallelujah. Is everybody in here ready to go out of here decreeing it? In the name of Jesus, not letting Ben-Hadad have your home and have your health anymore. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Lord, we lift our hands to you as we close. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving us this authority. Thank you for giving us this power. Thank you for giving us this responsibility. We not only hear it, but we're going to do it. We're not hearers of the word only, but we're doers of the word. And we're going out this week, Lord God, to advance your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Use me mightily. Go ahead and let that be your prayer. God, use me mightily. I want to be used by you. Father, I pray your blessings and your anointing. I pray your healing virtue. I pray your power deliverance upon each and every person. Raise them up and their strength and in their health and in their wholeness in Jesus' name as we go into this week. May God bless you. May the love of God go in and in, in and with you as you go. Come on, give God a big hand.